Well, good morning. What a treat for me, and hopefully for you guys too. Um, but I know for sure it's going to be for me, so we'll, we'll try and make it mutual. Um, it's always just an honor and a privilege to stand in front of the body of, of, of God's believers and just hopefully draw hearts closer to God, whether that's through what's happening at the front here or, or through everything that we do. And it's just an honor. I'm so excited to be here this morning. Um, I want to start off with five points. Proskuneo. It's a Greek word. What does it mean? Worship. Five points to Varia. Wonderful. Okay, for another five points, what does it mean? <laughs> In a many senses, it does. Absolutely. So, pros, towards, or, or, or before. And kineo, this surprised me, actually. It's a kiss. It's to kiss. But more in like a, I don't know if that would made sense, like, you know, as you were to like, to kiss the hand of someone you revered versus, you know, something more romantic. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It may not surprise you um, that I chose worship or was maybe asked. I can't remember which one it was, but I think there was a mutual agreement that that's something that is on my heart right now I want to talk, I want to talk about. Um, so before we dive into things, I um, just want to pray. Okay. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for every heart in this room this morning with a desire to worship their maker, to glorify the God that created them and that saved them. So we just pray this morning you would just open our ears, soften our hearts to hear what you have to say. Amen. So we're going to root uh, this morning around one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, it's John 4, 19 to 24. So I'm just going to read through this, and then we're going to, we're going to dive into this. So uh, John 4, 19, sir, the woman said, and we're talking uh, to a Sumerian woman, or rather Jesus is talking to a Sumerian woman here. Um, Samaritan, sorry, not Sumerian. <laughs> uh, I can see that you're a prophet, she says. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. She's referring to Mount Gerizim. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain, referring to Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. A bit of an ouch moment there, and you know, a very clear message from Jesus. But Jesus prefers to actually not talk about the politics of, of what I think the Samaritan woman is likely trying to get at here, but focus on the next thing, which is a time that is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in both spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshippers that the Father sees. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. There's a lot to unpack there. There's not many words, and there's a couple of words that have a pretty huge punch to them. But I think understanding the weight of what those words actually have brings a lot of revelation, and I think it can be pretty life-changing. So, um, you know, there was obviously at this time a, a political climate between the Samaritans and the Jews. Um, a big part of this, and, and, and why it was a loaded question from the Samaritan woman, is because God's dwelling place on earth was in the Holy of Holies in the Temple of Jerusalem. The Samaritans didn't believe that. So this is inherent conflict, because really the question is, 
You say God is here, and this is where he dwells on earth, and we say God dwells here. And as you can imagine, that's a, a, a pretty big political point of difference or a religious point of difference. And so um, as we get into the, the question, as we get into Jesus' response, um, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of a history lesson. So I hope that's okay. Fashion your seatbelts here. Okay, so we're going to go to the temple that was built by Solomon, or in this case, by a 15-year-old in Minecraft. Um, and I know some of you are thinking, this doesn't look quite right, and you would be correct. There we go. Okay, probably it was something like that, or at least that's our interpretation of maybe where it is today. But, uh, but no, in all seriousness, it was probably something along these lines. Here's a, a little schematic, and I want to... I don't want to go into too much details. We're not going to be talking about the chamber of the Nazarites or the chamber of wood. As much as uh, the moment I started looking at this, I thought, I've got to understand every single one of these things. This is fascinating. Um, but there's so much here, I think, that is so uh, foreign to today as to how we come and how we worship God or how we are and how we worship God. Um, this is what Jesus is, is, is getting at. Now, I want to walk you through just a couple of geographical locations here. The gates. You'll see many, many different gates, and I'll be honest, I do not know the symbolism of many of these gates, what they're used for, but my understanding is that these gates you know, had different functions and different purposes, and then you'd come in through the gates and into the courts. There's a, a, a court, there's a, the outer court, and then there's a court in the middle, it's not labeled here, and then in, in the very center we have what was called the holy place. And the holy place, and inside the holy place is the holy of holies behind a veil. And the holy place was a place that was restricted uh, uh, to Jews, there were some priestly uh, uh, activities that would take place uh, in the holy place and once a year in the Holy of Holies, but this was a place of sheer and utter reverence. This is where God dwelled on earth. So you can imagine what it was like to come to the temple and to worship the place and the only place where God dwelt on earth. Now, one of the things that would have been a little bit different if you were Jewish and you were coming in here is that it would you know, be quite a different way as to what worship looked like. The first thing I think that would look quite different was there'd be a little less sacrificing today. Um, now, Nick offered to come and uh, do a demonstration and sacrifice a lamb this morning, but I... Uh, no, just kidding. Um, it would have looked very different though, right? I mean, these priests are in many senses butchers, and uh, that was an important part of, of, of worship. This was pre-blood of Jesus being spilt. And, um, but there's some things that we would probably recognize today. Um, incense and prayer. Uh, there were priestly duties, as I mentioned. There were songs and psalms. And there were many festivals that I'm, I'm assuming were, were wonderful times of worship and, and, and great to be at, whether that's the Passover or, or, or many of the other festivals that took place. Uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of Weeks. Um, so there's a lot of similarities, but the thing that I want to impress on you this morning is the reverence part. The part when people came into this, this temple, this is where God dwelt, and there was a very heavy weight of seriousness to this. This wasn't a place where you would come and just be casual and just chill and sit back. This was a place where people would come and they would bow down and they would surrender to God. Now David gives us some instructions in Psalm 100 as to actually how to prepare our hearts. Now, when David wrote this, of course, David was the one who gave the plans for the temple that Solomon were to build to Solomon. Um, but prior to that, uh, they worshipped at the tabernacle, which is essentially a, 
a, a mobile version of a temple, if, if, if you will, um, uh, where there was still the Holy of Holies that held the Ark of the Covenant, which held the, uh, the, the stone tablets, which held the Ten Commandments. David says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So if you're casting your mind back one slide to the, di- to the diagram of what the temple is, you can see a very physical approach. You come into the temple through the gates with a heart of thanksgiving, and in the courts, you fill it with praise. You did not enter the holy place. That was not a place that you were allowed to be unless you were a priest and you had very specific priestly duties. But here's the revelation that would, would come that we've come well to know. The veil was torn. When Jesus spilled his blood and was resurrected, physically, the veil that separated the holy place or the holy of holies from the holy place, it was torn. Jesus says, the temple is done. The symbolism of the temple and everything that the temple stands is now done. It's finished. There's a new chapter. We call it the New Testament. Um, And there's a really cool part. What was to come next was arguably a lot better. (laughs) And that is uh, the spirit inside of us being the temple. And I think most of us know that, but I wonder sometimes if we understand it. I know certainly, especially as I was preparing this morning, and I forgot to start my timer, so I'll start it now. But uh, <laughs> we, will, um, we will often know in our minds, in our heads, what it, what, what it means on paper. But what does it really mean that the temple is inside of us now? So we're going to walk through that this morning. And I really hope that, that, that there can be a little bit more of an opening of an understanding or acknowledging and taking knowing to like knowing, knowing. Um, so Jesus said, there is no longer a physical location where we, we worship. When he's talking about worshiping his spirit, he is saying, forget about the temple. The temple is going away. The temple will be inside of you. So when Jesus says in spirit, he's saying, you care about a location, but that location is changing. And it's a bit of a paradigm shift as well, because it's not like, hey, we're just moving down the road to a new temple that's being built. It's now this temple is not a physical place, but it is a spiritual place. And I think probably at the time, that was something that was very hard to understand. I think for us today, it's probably still quite hard to understand. When we talk about our spirit, what is it? You know, how, 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 how is our spirit connected to the, to the seat of our emotions, to our mind, to our soul? Sometimes that can be a quite difficult thing for us to understand. But it's critical. It's critical to our understanding of, of how we worship. When, worship is set, when Jesus says to worship in spirit, we have to say, well, how? What does that look like? What does it look like to worship in spirit? In Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, Do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? Now, the funny thing about this is as I was looking for some verses that, 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 that emphasize the fact that, that we are a temple and the temple of God is inside of us and that the way we communicate with God now, the way that we worship God is spirit to spirit. Every one of um, Paul's writings on this, or at least most of them, are, are sort of nested among a rebuke, which is quite, quite interesting, whether that's sexual immorality or, or something else. Paul talks about this in the terms of reverence. If you think about the temple that is inside of you in your spirit and to think about what you do, that is something you need to keep pure and holy. And I think in worship, there's a, there's a, there's a very authentic connection between those two things. How do we keep something 
uh, sacred? How do we treat it with reverence? Uh, because I think it's very easy, especially in, in the climate today, to come and, you know, we sing songs. We often struggle with maybe getting a little bit too self-centered. And I feel like one of the things that we've lost in, in the modern day church is this, this reverence, this, this, this understanding of what it actually means to worship. This is not about us. This is about a surrender to God. Um, and, and in fact, um, you know, when we, when we talk about the, the very essence of the word worship, the connotation uh, involves showing reverence, submission, and an honor in, 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 in an act of worship. It can be anything. I mean, it really can be anything. When we talk about worship, we obviously have ways in the church that we, that we worship uh, communally together um, that's beneficial just like they would have uh, when they worshiped at the temple. Um, but worship is a lot more than singing. Uh, you know, we can, we can worship in prayer. We can worship in silence. Uh, we can worship in dancing and clapping. There's many different ways of worship. And I want to untether when we talk about, oh, we're going to have a time of worship this morning. That is not, that is a nice label that we've, we've, we've put. I think, you know, when I grew up, we used to call it praise and worship. And now we've dropped the praise because worship, I think, is maybe a bit of a trendier word. It's a very cultural thing, though. It's a very, very cultural thing. And we need to understand that worship is a lot more than just that. So the second part of this, in truth. I want to unpack this in two different ways because I think it's vitally important for us to understand both to be in spirit. But Jesus didn't say just in spirit. There's a very important reason why he said in spirit and in truth. The first reason is that because uh, when you say something that is inauthentic or that is untrue, it is not worship. I want to, I want to give you a fun little example here. So if I were to say to my wife, uh, your square eyes are like treasure chests and your five arms when they embrace me make me feel, you know, loved. My wife is probably going to go, what? I don't, I don't feel loved by you saying those things. Those aren't true at all. And my heart might be to say, yes, I love you, you know, and, and I, and I want to express this love and this adoration. But my wife's like freaked out now, and she's going like, this is, this is super, super weird. And I think, you know, I think God is very gracious with us. Um, but it's true. We sing a lot of nonsense. The church sings a lot of nonsense. We've had, we've had lyrics that we've amended here over time when we've sort of sat down and gone, is that actually true? Um, you may have noticed some words change every now and again. Not too frequently. We try and do our job to vet what we sing. And, you know, we, we, we write our own songs often um, for that reason because, you know, we want to sing about what's, what, what's truth but also what God is doing, at, you know, at this time and specifically in this church versus borrowing what God may be doing somewhere else in some other church. Um, but it's very important that what, what, what we say and what we sing and how we worship is actually rooted in, 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 in actual truth. Okay. Now, the next thing is the in truth part. The second part is not only do the, the, the words we say or our position of truth need to be important, we have to actually mean it. I mean, if I were to use the right words, and sorry, Haley, for using an example, we were joking earlier about. Um, people that preach that talk about their wives all the time and ended up doing it. Um, but if I were to say, Haley, I think you're great. I really love you very much, and I love spending time with you. There's an insincerity in what I'm saying. And let's all be honest. I think we can come on a Sunday morning, or we can have a tired uh, physical body that goes, yes, Jesus, you are great. You're wonderful. We worship you. you, know, you you've saved us. And lack the insincerity. And that's an important part of truth because it's not that we say the right words, but we say it with a heart that bears the weight of what it actually means to be sincere. 
I want to bring you three points. If I were to summarize this and if I were to leave you with three specific things, it would be these. The first thing is that, that worship comes from a position of surrender. I know this is probably foreign in, in, in what we see in, in 21st century Christianity in the West. Because I think we often get a little bit self-absorbed with worship. I was even listening to a song by Spotify and I love the, the verse and the chorus. And, and, and then uh, there's a, a spontaneous bit and the music sounds great. And the singer's going, give me more and more and more. Give me more. I want more and more and more. I'm like, wow, that's like a toddler. Like, like saying I want candy to the parents and not shutting up. Like, I wonder how God feels about that sometimes. I'm like, that is very self-centered. You know, it, it, it is about coming into a place of surrender. And this is why I wanted to draw this parallel to, to what it would have been like to worship at the temple. Because could you imagine going into a temple as a Jew and being like, God, give me stuff. I want stuff. I'm here to like make myself feel better and to really do that. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in worship. But that is not the heart of what worship is. It is not about us. Um, it's also not about the culture. You know, we, we do a very good job of aligning our culture with the types of songs we sing. And, and sometimes we sort of tie those into what's going in, on in the zeitgeist, you know, in, in the world and say, cool, like we're, we're going to pull some themes out of this because it was really popular in the top 40 charts. And, and that is a, a thing we've got to be very, very conscious about, really, really careful about. Um, honestly, it doesn't matter if the, sing, the songs we sing sound not great melodically. But if we sing them in a, in a heart of worship and we come with, with, with praise, even if you go, oh, that's not quite right, you know, the, the E string on the guitar is slightly out of tune, God, God sees the heart in what we do. Um, and in a position of surrender, that's, that, that, that's, that's all that matters. And the other thing I think about here is that when, when in, in, in John 4, God said, God is seeking these kind of worshipers. There's a revelation there. He's seeking your worship. You, little you. Big God, the God that created the stars, so many stars that you couldn't possibly count them, so many stars that whatever technology, you will never even know how many there are or what, what the expanse is or, or the expanse of the galaxies, the God that created love and, and every molecule in your body and everything on earth, that God seeks your worship. It means something to him. I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about that, uh, it's, 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 it's weighty. <laughs> Okay, the second. Worship is the way we dialogue with God. We are one in spirit with God. And again, there's a weight to that. But how do you dialogue with somebody in a position of surrender? Well, it's through praise. It's through praise. It's through adoration. This isn't a place of us going, we're on equal terms, God, and we're just going to have a dialogue. No, this is, God, I am so thankful for all that you've done. I praise you. I am here because of you. I would not exist if it were not for you. I would not be saved if it were not for you. Every blessing in my life comes from you. And I know that I will be spending eternity with you. That's what dialogue looks like. Praise. Um, now, some of you may struggle with that. On a Sunday morning, I know uh, it may be hard to come out of your shell. You may not have the best voice. You may have two left feet. And in the kindest possible way, I'm going to say this. You have to get over yourselves. <laughs> because God is magnificent. His glory radiates. If God were to come into this room today and show his glory, we'd all be dead. Probably. Um, and uh, it's that revelation that we need to have when we worship. So if your two left feet start to dance and you're up here dancing down the aisle, 
God is being praised. If you sound horrible and you can't hit any note in, 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 the, in the major scale as we're singing a song and you're singing at the top of your voice, God is praised. And um, we all struggle with this. I struggle with this. And, um, and I think there is so much power in a breakthrough in worship, especially this morning as we come and as, and as we sing together. Um, it can look a lot different. And I don't want this to be a criticism. I hope it doesn't come across as a criticism. God is unbelievably gracious with us on these things. But I do want to encourage, uh, strongly encourage maybe is the work. Break out of your shells. God is to be worshipped. God is to be revered in a place of surrender. And that often looks like you're going to have to get over a few things personally. A few things that you're insecure about, you're going to have to leave behind. Um, and really come to a place where God is truly praised through true worship. And the other thing I want to pull there is, as, as we go into John 4, Jesus opens it up by using this phrase, not worshippers, not people that believe in me, but true worshippers. Well, what does it tell you if Jesus is saying someone's a true worshipper? Well, there must be people that worship that aren't worshipping truly. And that's also weighty, to know that God may listen to our worship or what we deem as worship and go, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm worshipped by that. But the good news is, again, God is incredibly gracious and he's given us instructions. He wants to be worshipped and, and, and how to worship him as well. Okay. And the last thing here, God wants to meet you in the holy place. We talk about the fact that, that the Jews were not prohibited from entering the holy place, but the veil was torn, the holy of holies was open, it now lives inside of you. And just think about what it would have been to be a Jew in the temple and have access to that place where God dwelt on earth. How magnificent and glorious it would have been. And I imagine for the priests once a year, um, when they would come and they, and, and they, would, they, would, they would do their rituals and their ceremonies in, in the holy place, that must have been uh, quite the experience. But that now lives in every single one of us through the Spirit. It is something that we all have access to. But how do we get to that place? Well, through his gates with thanksgiving and through now the courts with praise. We're no longer stuck in the courts. We have access to the holy place. But unless we come to that place through thanksgiving, through the gates of thanks with thanksgiving and through the courts with praise, I don't know that we get there the same way. I mean, even there's practical parts of that. On Sunday morning, show up on time. Come in early. Because if we come in late, the gates are gone. People are already through the gates. We're already through the parts. And, and you know, when we're picking songs, um, whether it's Anna and Mario, or myself, or Haley, or whoever else we have up here leading worship, we're very conscious about this. We're very conscious about the journey that we take when we open up. We open up with, with thanksgiving or songs of thanksgiving. We go, we go to praise, and then we often will sing songs that maybe bring us more into that holy place where it is the communion and spirit on spirit as one spirit together. Um, but it's an important part of that journey. Um, and so, yeah, that, I think there's something that is, you know, is, is a very practical thing. I know it's helped me just in, in my mind to understand through the gates of thanksgiving, through the courts with praise, into the holy place. Um, Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Believers now have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have the confidence to enter the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. And since we have a great high priest... Uh, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance 
that faith brings. God has promised this to every single person in this room. Everybody has access to the holy place. God wants to meet you there. So just in, in summary, so I, I, I hope it is a, a helpful um, uh, parallel, I guess, to think about the temple that lives inside of us when we enter into this place of praise. And, um, and coming through the, to, to the gates and the course and into that holy place. Look, I don't know really what that holy place looks like. It's very, very hard to describe. All I know is that when you get there, there's nothing like it. That is where God will break you down. He will build you up. He will ruin your life in the best possible way. Um, and there is wholeness and it, there is completeness in, in, in the spirit. But there's often a lot that holds us back as well. Um, and often that, that is body stuff. <laughs> it is our minds. You know, um, it is our soul. It's our insecurities. It's, it's the culture. It's the things that we've got so used to. Um, but I encourage you this morning. We're going to sing uh, a final song in worship. And as we do, if there is breakthrough that you know you need to make to get to that place, what's a better time than now? than this morning. We've already sung songs of thanksgiving and praise this morning. And Amari did an amazing job leading us through that place. So we're now at the holy place. That's where we are. That's the physical location. The spirit of God, the physical location is right here. Not this building, but, in, but inside every, every single one of you. So as, as Anna Mario lead us in, in, in praise this morning, in, sorry, in praise, <laughs> in worship, um, we're going to do one final song. I just encourage you, sing from the bottom of your hearts. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to clap, if you want to shout. These are all physical manifestations of what's happening in your spirit. Um, uh, it, is the sp- it is in spirit that we worship, uh, not in physical, but these are manifestations. Because if, if things start to happen in your spirit, then it's definitely going to happen in your body. I can tell you that. Um, you're definitely going to see the physical manifestations, and you will, um, of what happens in your spirit. Um, thank you, God. So let, let's just end in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the revelation of your spirit that dwells inside of us the honor and the majesty of, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that we have direct access to commune with you, spirit to spirit as one spirit. May that be a revelation for us this morning. May, may that open doors. You know what? May that break down doors, Father. Uh, forget about opening them. Let's just break wide that opening, that we will know you more. Yeah. That we will know how to worship you more. We will know how to please our hearts. Please your heart, Father. That our, that our offering would be, would be fragrant, Father. It would please you. It would move your heart. Father, you say that you are seeking worshipers. You desire our worship. This is why we're here this morning. This is the only reason we're here this morning, is to worship you. 